Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to understand your word and your son. Help us to see him as he really is, not to see him as we want him to be. Lord, help us to listen to him and to what he has to say to us. And let's put it into practice. His name, amen. So Matt will be back next week. And uh, sometimes I wished that I could have been alive when Jesus was alive to see him as he really was. I'm sure you've probably wished the same thing. Um, to be with him and to ask him questions that I wish the disciples would have asked. Um, I probably would have too many questions and I probably would say too many things. But uh, even his disciples did not see him as he really was. And we get a glimpse in this uh, passage in Matthew and in Luke uh, just what Jesus is really like. So when we look at... Um, oh, could you um, back up to the scripture? Sorry. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 17, verse uh, 1 through 3. And... So this is an account where Jesus... A physical appearance is completely changed, and it occurs in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's from Luke's version that it says that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. So uh, when um, he had asked his disciples in this previous chapter, who do people say that I am? Oh, I don't know. What? Elijah, John the Baptist. And then he said, who do you say I am? And that's when Peter had responded by saying that he was the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus had praised Peter and then told them all that he now had to go up to Jerusalem to suffer and to be killed. And Peter didn't like that. And I said, no, Lord, this won't happen. I'll, I'll, uh, and he received a strong rebuke for his uh, response that was a good intention, but completely off base. He was accused of being Satan uh, by Jesus. Um, so I'm trying to think of how Jesus was responding to understanding God's will for him life. And, and uh, perhaps there's, a, there's something I'm missing. But since he was human, as well as divine, I think he may have had to get God's will confirmed for him as he was praying. So that's what I think he's doing going up to uh, make sure that what he is hearing is... Uh, is from God and not his own. And this is one of the biggest differences between Jesus and me and you, is that I'm always, my question is, what do I want to do, right? And what Jesus' question is, what does God want me to do? And I think we'll do uh, better in our life if we follow his uh, example in this as everything else. So Jesus takes, um, in verses 1 through 3, he took three of his disciples, Peter and his two brothers, uh, Jacob. We have it uh, translated translated as James and John, up to the mountain to pray. And uh, Luke tells us that while Jesus is praying, his appearance is transformed. It's translated in Matthew as transfigured. There he was transfigured before them. And the word is, uh, we get the word metamorphosis uh, from us, right? His physical appearance was completely changed. His face became uh, bright, as bright as the sun. Um, his clothes were white as light. Um, we know that Jesus is the light in the world, but he didn't reveal himself in this way uh, very often. So it's hard for me to imagine this scene, and I only have words to describe it, but I still struggle to picture it in my mind. So what I've done is I've 
uh, ask um, Abby to to show a PowerPoint in which I'm looking at some pictures, some drawings of Jesus uh, down through the years of different artists. So, sorry, Abby, can we go back to that one? Are you going to start swearing at me? <laughs> she doesn't do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, Steve, could you turn the, the lights off over on, on this side, please? Obviously, we have a written word of what actually happened. Um, but again, I try to go back the other way and try to imagine what could it have possibly looked like. So in this artist, thank you, Steve. I don't think you can, you can barely see uh, the outline of Jesus in this one. Um, but uh, you see uh, Moses and Elijah, and then uh, James, Peter, and, and uh, John uh, in the uh, foreground of that one. This is one of my favorites. If we move on to the next one. This is an icon of the Eastern Orthodox uh, religion, and again, you can see you can see the halo around uh, Jesus and Moses and Elijah, and he, and Jesus has a whole circle of light around him, and then you've got the three disciples down below that are cringing in fear uh, over that one, and then the next one, Abby. I like this one; it's a modern version, an attempt to try to portray just how much the light enveloped them. Again, we don't know what it looked like, but uh, I like this uh, modern version of it. And try the next one. This is uh, also Greek. Uh, at the very top on the right, it says the metamorphosis, and it's got a little uh, abbreviation, Jesus Christus, underneath Jesus, and then it's got the names of the disciples down below, Petros, Ioannes, and Jacobas, uh, Peter, James, Peter, John, and, and Jacob, James. Uh, there's no names for uh, Moses and Elijah. Um, I don't know what happened there. Next one. This is a stained glass of uh, just the top part of the stained glass. Again, the, the light that looks like flames uh, coming out of Jesus. And he's got the sign of the cross here. Um, and then the whole thing, if you could look at the next one, the whole stained glass, you can see the, the three disciples there at the bottom. And then let's try one more. Yeah, this is another good one I like. So in this one, again, you're trying to put yourself in the place of the three disciples that were invited. Not everybody was invited to be there. But uh, thank you, Abby, for doing that. I appreciate that. So this, um, this is an attempt for me to try to picture. Thanks, Steve. Um, and so what we've got in this uh, account is about three times in the account, there's a little word that's thrown in that's translated behold, but I'm going to translate it look, okay? So in verse 3, and look, behold, Moses and Elijah also appeared talking to Jesus. Now Moses and Elijah were towering figures in the Old Testament. I don't know how the disciples knew it was Moses and um, Elijah. Maybe they had name tags, but, you know, oh yeah, there's Moses and Elijah. Um, in any case, you know Moses' story, right? God used him to lead the Israelites out of uh, bondage in Egypt. He uh, brought him the, ten, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. He gave the law and the plans for the tabernacle uh, through Moses. Some of Jesus' opponents said that um, Jesus was contradicting Moses, and they would take their stand and say that uh, uh, there was problems. But uh, Moses actually predicted in Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. 
Elijah had challenged the prophets of Baal, and he had uh, been victorious. Uh, he uh, had ran um, from, what, Jezebel, and he, on Mount Horeb, he had uh, experienced the still, small voice of God. And these two symbolize the law and the prophets. They are not in conflict with Jesus. Uh, Luke 9.31 says they were talking to Jesus about his departure. And Luke uses the word exodus. Now, when we think of exodus, what do we think of? I think the Israelites being led out of suffering and being taken into the desert and having to completely depend upon God. They didn't like that. That was the main problem. What do you mean we have to depend upon God? Yeah, for everything. For what? For water? Yeah. For food? Yeah. For what? For shelter? They didn't like that. That's the main problem they ran into. And, of course, Jesus is facing an exodus, if you would, at Jerusalem. He's going to have to completely depend upon God the Father uh, as he goes into that wilderness. In verse 4, um, Luke says again that they were very sleepy. So you can imagine uh, it's, it's at night and Peter had been doing the head bob. You know, you ever tried to pray with somebody and all of a sudden it's like, it's kind of rude. I've noticed that sometimes uh, people come over and chat with us and, and it's kind of like, okay, I'm doing the head bob. Can you tell? Can you tell I'm not uh, quite awake? Um, some people just keep talking, right? Anyway, um, Peter's doing the head bob, but now he is wide awake and he blurts out, Lord, it is good for us to be here. <laughs> um, if you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So um, <laughs> Luke tells us that this was as Moses and Elijah were leaving, and also that Peter didn't know what he was talking about, right? So um, <laughs> anyway, Peter was the head of the facilities and grounds committee that uh, wanted to immediately take this great mountaintop experience and put something concrete there that people would remember and look back to those days. That's the place where Jesus and Moses and Elijah appeared to the three disciples. That's it. Let's go up there and pray. And uh, I don't know. Uh, but I don't want to be too hard on Peter because a, a week before when Jesus rebuked him, I'm sure that he'd been thinking about, well, maybe, I, maybe I should listen and maybe pay attention and maybe I should be ver more careful about what I say, Right? So in the way that he says it, he's, he's uh, Lord, if you wish. You know, I'm just, I'm recognized. That's a good way to start. But I think the point for Peter and the rest of us, there are times when we need to, as the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Just experience it. And then in verse 5, it says, and look, behold, right? God interrupts P Peter while he is still speaking. I have an application to this passage. It may not be uh, spiritual. But my ap application is there's some people who are just talkers. They don't have a clue about social rules. They don't take any idea that uh, I'd like to leave, I'd like to move on, I'd like to say something. And so um, God interrupts Peter and says, be quiet. So I'm, I'm taking that as it's okay to interrupt people that are just clueless, right? You think that applies? I don't know. Perhaps not. So who knows how long God would have had to wait until Peter got done, but uh, he doesn't wait. He says, uh, look, a voice in the cloud. Again, the same word. A voice came out of the cloud. This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Implication to Peter? Be quiet, right? God doesn't say it in a negative way. So for me, if you're 
if you're Jesus, this is the confirmation that uh, he was praying for. This is, uh, you've got Moses and Elijah, you've got the cloud, you've got the voice. This is the path that God had marked out for him to go to, to, go to Jerusalem and to suffer and to die. And in verses 6 through 8, the disciples' response was, yikes! <laughs> they face-planted, right? They're terrified. <laughs> if you think back to those pictures that we had, um, I'm not sure what I would do, but um, what I love, what Jesus does next, I really love. He walks up to them, and he touches them, says, get up and don't be afraid. He was always saying, don't be afraid to his disciples. I guess one of the things I think about Jesus, when we think about Jesus, do we think of somebody that we might be afraid of? No, he's sweet, really nice. He won't blow out a flickering candle, right? But there's another part, if we take a look, is people were just outright afraid when he revealed himself for who he was. So this is, um, and there it was, just Jesus standing there. Amazing, just amazing. I wanted to read a passage that Peter quotes this later in his life in the uh, book of 2 Peter. He's getting close to the end, and one of the things he talks about is the powerful effect that this had on uh, Peter in 2 Peter 1, verse 16 through 18. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Be quiet, Peter. No, he didn't include that part for some reason. Um, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him up on the sacred mountain. In other words, we didn't make this up. This really happened. We weren't dreaming. It wasn't some vision that uh, we were told and we agreed to make up this lie. Nope, it really happened. We dreamed it. We didn't dream it. We, we saw his amazing majesty when we were on that mountain. So what do we take away from this passage in, in Matthew? As I prayed, my prayer is that we would see Jesus as he really is and listen to him. I've done this, and I've seen other people that have done this during their lives. We study the law in minute detail, and there's a ton of stuff in the law. But we've become so enamored with the law that we forget about Jesus. Other times and other folks study the prophecies. Oh my gosh, everything's lining up. This is it. I wonder when it's going to happen. I wonder when it's going to happen. And we miss the whole point of the prophecy. How should we live, right? Sometimes we become so enamored with the specifics of prophecy that we, be, that we forget about Jesus. There's other things that uh, draw us away from listening to Jesus. The three leaders of the early church were there. And sometimes we focus on some of their writings to the exclusion of Jesus. Some people look at the Apostle Paul and they like the way he lays out his logical argument and they appreciate his theology. Does it bring us back to Jesus? Well, that's Paul's intent. But sometimes we just study the theology of Paul. So when I think about listening to Jesus, I think of there's a lot of good ways that we lose our focus upon him. There's a lot of things that are good. Do you think it means more than just listening to his words? When you hear about listen and Jesus says listen, what does it mean? 
Well, you think of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the, uh, the two foundations? You had the sand and the rock. Can somebody tell me what the point was of that uh, parable? One person builds their house on the sand. One other person builds it on the rock. So what's the sand and the rock in that passage? The world? Okay. All right. And the Lord? All right. What does it say at the start of that about the difference between those two folks? One's foolish. Who's wise? Come on, we've got to look at it. Um, Matthew chapter 7. Is it between people that hear God's word or don't hear God's word? Is that the contrast? No. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Obviously, Jesus is our foundation. We cannot live without him. But if we only hear his words and don't do them, we are the foolish man. If we hear his words and put it into practice, we are building our house upon the rock. But sometimes we can fool ourselves. It's the person who hears and puts it into practice. So perhaps God is speaking to you this morning about either understanding what the passage means or an application from this passage. And I would ask you if you would take a moment and consider whether God would have you share it with the rest of us. I'm talking uh, Matthew 17, the transfiguration. Um, either some point that God is making to you from this passage or an application he's giving us from the passage. I know, I know, this is not normal, but, uh, but I'm not normal. Uh, so. so anybody feel like God's laying something on their heart to share with the rest of us? Dear Lord, we thank you that you're so much more than we can imagine. And we pray that we would, uh, again, see you as you really are. And that we would listen to what you have to say to each of us and to us as a church. And that we would uh, do it, that we would put into practice. Help us not to build our shelters and help us to keep our mouths shut when we need to. Amen. <laughs>